Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is part of today's readings, and I apologize for that, but I couldn't pass up this. This is one of my favorite word studies in the Bible. Um, uh, Chapter 1, verse 5, there's there's, there's a... structure to the to the words in the Greek that I just I love so I wanted to share that with you tonight and the the basic lesson in this is uh, how to find comfort that, that, that there is comfort available to us because um, we all have troubles right pain heartache confusion it abounds in our lives correct I mean we there's always something wrong there's always something wrong you know, and um, I was talking with a pastor today and uh, talking to my son this morning about the same kind of thing. And, you know, basically uh, it's those uh, it's the hardships that make us who we are. You don't you don't want your life to be filled with just ease. You want hardship. You want friction. You know, iron sharpens iron, that kind of thing. You know, you need friction in your life. But sometimes, you know, things get a little overwhelming, and um, we we start looking for comfort anywhere it can be found. And and, and you know, all you got to do is walk into any you know Barnes and Noble, and the self help book section is just immense. It's probably the biggest section in the whole thing. The sad thing is that it's also the biggest section in Lifeway. The vast majority of Christian books that are written today are self help. I think we'd be a whole lot better off if uh, the authors of today would quit writing self-help books and just start writing Bible studies. <laughs> just writing commentaries and Christians would get back into the habit of actually reading the Bible and reading commentaries to help them understand the Bible instead of, you know, your best purpose-driven life now and, you know, 12 steps to, you know, abundance and blah, blah, blah and all that kind of stuff, you know. Here's the thing. Self-help books don't help. Uh, seminars don't help. Oprah can't help. You know, none of this works. Programs don't work. Nothing works unless it has a strong foundation. There's only one strong foundation in this universe. That's Jesus Christ. He works. When trouble comes into our lives, he works. And what he does is he sends people into our lives to help us, but we have to be willing to take the help. That's one of the issues that I have with, um, you know, throughout my time as a pastor and now these last three years here um i've seen it i've seen it in your lives as much as i've seen it in the lives of the people who who are in my you know my parishioners in my church um there's a lot of people who just don't want help they they're miserable their life stinks but they don't want to open themselves up to actually let somebody else into their life so that that person can help them you know so they 
They, they, they eschew fellowship. They, they, stay, they stay away from church. They stay away from the Bible study. They run when things get hard. But if you will let Jesus help you, he'll do it by sending people into your life to help you. And then he'll send you into someone else's life to help them. That's the whole point of this. The reason he lets problems come into our lives is so that we can receive help and learn how to help others so that we can grow. And then we're helping others with things that we went through um, as our problems get bigger. Isn't that comforting? comforting? You know, we get over the problems and they're little to us now so we can help other people with them. Now bigger problems come. And we learn to get over those and we move forward. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul opens up by his standard of greeting, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints and all of Achaia. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he, 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 um, he says something strange all of a sudden. Out of the blue, you know, after this wonderful illustration, he goes, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of our mercies, and the God of all comfort. So apparently there's something wrong in the Corinthian church. There was something wrong already in the Corinthian church. That's why 1 Corinthians was written. The, first, the Corinthian church was just confused and crazy. They weren't running their church any way, shape, or form the way they should. I've seen a few churches out there called 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians Baptist Church or Community Church, and I'm looking at them going, you really shouldn't have named your church that. That is not, I, 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 did you read the Bible? You do not want to be a Corinthian church, okay? They, they had deep-seated sexual sin in the church to the point where one of the men, one of the deacons perhaps in the church, was sleeping with his father's second wife. And they weren't saying anything about it. And Paul writes the letter, and in that letter he goes, y'all need to take care of this. You know, you need to confront him. Now he, the man apparently repented, and when you should read on through 2 Corinthians, Paul says, this guy repented, and now y'all are ostracizing him. You need to let him back in. You know, you need to learn forgiveness. Christ forgave you. You need to learn to forgive this fellow. So they just got, they had everything all out of whack. They weren't doing things the right way. Um, you know, even to the point where Paul had to admonish them to make their women stay quiet. Because the women were just driving things batty. Just lo- I'm sorry, ladies, I'm just telling you. The women were really just running things they shouldn't have been running. And, and running their mouths when they shouldn't have ran them. You know, and it just, the church was just all messed up. And Paul wrote the first letter to try to help them. A little bit of it helped. They didn't, they didn't, sometimes what they did was they took almost all the advice, but they went too far in some of it. They got legalistic. They never learned to show love the way they should have. And Paul's saying, you got problems in your church, and you know it. And so right from the start, he goes, blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. There's still mercy out there. There's still comfort available. You know, the, you know, you keep messing up, Corinth, but God's mercy is still available to you. Mercy is God not giving you the judgment you deserve. Grace is God giving you the blessing you don't deserve. Okay? So grace is God giving you what you don't deserve, and mercy is God not giving you what you do deserve. The grace of God takes us to heaven. The mercy of God keeps us from hell. <laughs> okay? And, and Paul's basically using mercy at the beginning of this to say, y'all are messed up, but there's a comforter. We can get you through this. 
It comes from Jesus. You know, John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me too, you know. I'll not leave you comfortless, I'll come to you. And so he says in verse 4, he says, God, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them that are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So here's the point, you know, of all our tribulations, no matter what you're going through, Jesus knows, he cares, and he wants to help, okay? He's there for you. But we, 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 don't, we don't experience the comfort of God, and there's a reason we don't experience the comfort of God. Stay, keep your place. I'm just going to flip over here real quick. I want to read uh, just a real quick passage. James chapter 4, verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Do they not come hence even from your lusts that war in your members? You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and you can't obtain. You fight and war and yet you have not because you ask not. You ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you might consume it upon your lusts. So here's the problem. Comfort's available to us. When, when trouble comes to us, there's, there's an opportunity for us to receive from God the comfort that we need, the ability to get through this thing. But we have to receive it the only way to receive it is to be engaged in the spiritual disciplines to be reading our bibles praying fellowshipping with believers serving serving others helping doing those things so that god has avenues and channels to get his message through to us you can't receive help from someone else if you're not around someone else correct you know if problems start in your life and you can't and you don't and you're embarrassed and you don't want anybody in the church to know about it and you stay away well now you can't complain that nobody in the church is helping you i can tell this story now because i'm out of the church three years but we had a young lady whose husband got deployed and he was gone for almost a year and, and this is in my the church that i'm pastored and when he came back they came to two services and then never came back. And then she went on Facebook and ripped the church apart about how we didn't take care of her while her husband was deployed and how nobody visited her and nobody helped her. And so I said, yeah, okay. So I pulled out the rolls. Patty kept attendance. We had everybody in the church's name down in a three-ring binder. And every service, Patty would sit and check off names. Who was here? So I went through for one whole year of attendance. That young lady was in church four times out of 150 plus services that were available we had sunday I, I maybe not even that maybe two but i'm giving her grace four times i went to my phone and i put her name up and i went to my text messages and i looked at message after message after message where i texted her and she never returned my call I specifically remember calling her number and saying, hey, I'd like to come over, and me and Patty would like to come over and pray with you. Never returned my call. And yet we were the bad guys because we never visited her. Now, let me tell you something. This is why I wasn't a very good pastor. I absolutely refused to invite a church member to their own church. If you're a member of a church, you don't need an invitation to come to church. Correct? I will not invite a church member to their own church, plain and simple. If you've got to be invited to your own church, you are backslidden, and you need to repent, plain and simple. You cannot get the help you need from God if you don't put yourself around God's people so that they can help you. Because that's how God's going to help you. God doesn't help you supernaturally. He supernaturally speaks to other people to come and physically help you. 
okay? You don't walk down to your mailbox and find a bag full of money when you have money problems. An old guy comes up to you and shoves a 50 in your hand when you have money problems, okay? That's what happens. You know, you don't, you know, you don't get miraculously healed from your disease uh, just because you ask God to heal you. Sometimes he does, but most of the time he tells you to go to the doctor. And the doctor helps you, and he gets you through this, all right? People, that's how God blesses us, through other people. And we have to be around other people so that we can get that blessing, so that we can do it for someone else. Because you can't do this on your own. You can't do life on your own. You've got to have Christ in your life. Uh, you know, that whole, old th- what was that old saying, God helps them to help themselves? That's straight from hell. That's not true. God helps the helpless. Amen? And the way he helps the helpless is he sends people into their lives. God comforts us in all our tribulations. Why? So that we may able to be able to comfort them that are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So you're supposed to take that gift you got from God of that comfort he gave you and offer that to someone else in some way. Just as that old guy was there for you shoving that $50 bill in your hand, when you see somebody in need, you go shove a $20 bill in their hand if that's all you got. You, you, go stand, you go get behind that person, put your hand on their shoulder and say, can I pray for you? You be there for people when you are, you know, uh, and it, when you have the opportunity. When you receive God's comfort, the only thing you can do is pass it on. 1 Peter 4.10 says, as every man has received the gift, even so minister that gift to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Don't be a sponge, be a spigot. Don't just soak up everything God's got for you. Be something that soaks it up and squeezes it out, lets it out, pushes it out. To take it and let go of it. Take it and give it away, right? Just give it away. You will still suffer, but he will still comfort. This is, what I re- this, this is my favorite verse. Verse 5, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Paul suffered a lot of things for the sake of Jesus Christ, correct? Being a Christian doesn't mean all your troubles are going to go away. So don't blame God for your troubles. The reason you have troubles is because you live in a sin-soaked world, period. You live in a world, you're a sinner living in a world surrounded by sinners. No wonder you're getting problems, right? So don't get, don't get mad about God. Uh, don't get mad at God for having problems. And let's be honest, if you're really seriously honest with yourself, most of the problems you have, you, you made yourself. Correct? The biggest enemy you have is the guy or the girl staring you back in the mirror every morning when you get up. That's your biggest enemy. As Jeremiah 17 say, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. No one can know it. Right? Your heart lies to you. Your body lies to you. You lie to you. <laughs> You're your own worst enemy. We all are. So, you know... When, when problems come, we can't go blaming it on God. James 1.13 says, Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. Because God can't be tempted of evil, neither does he tempt any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lusts and enticed. And so when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, brings about death. So sufferings abound. Look at, look at that, verse 5. For as the sufferings of Christ, this is of Christ, this is the sufferings of Christ. If Jesus suffered, 
at the hands of evil men. Shouldn't you? You're a Christian. He was spoken badly about. People talked about him behind his back, right? People talked bad about him to his face. They tried to stone him. They tried to lynch him. They tried to make him king when he wasn't, it wasn't time. You know, he was evil spoken of, and then he was eventually crucified. So if the sufferings of Christ abound in us, but the consolation also aboundeth. That's why I, one of the reasons I like using the King James is because the translators um, would put these little tools in there to help you understand the Greek. Now, in the Greek, the words also aboundeth are, are kaya perusio. I'm pretty sure I butchered both of those. I just looked up the pronunciation before this, and I know I forgot it. Basically, the word also is that kaya, and it, it means, uh, Strong's defines it as a, a, a conjunctive word having a copulative and sometimes cumulative force, which means even more. So the King James translators, because they couldn't translate it like that exactly, they put the E-T-H on the end of abound the, the second time. So the, the, the sufferings of Christ abound in us, problems, heartaches, pain. But the consolation of Christ aboundeth even more. So there's more comfort available to you than the pain that's happening to you. Does that make sense? There's more comfort available than the pain that's happening to you. You can have more comfort than the pain you have. But he can't and won't help you until you come to him. Romans 5.20 says, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So the teaching here is that where pain comes, the comfort is even greater. So if you have pain at a 50 decibel level, the comfort's at least 60, 70, 80 decibels, okay, if we want to put it on audio terms. There's a lot more comfort available than the pain, because let's be honest, you need that. You know, when you, when you were a little kid and you skinned your knee, falling off your bike, if your mom came up and she says, oh, I'm sorry, and walked away, well, that wasn't good. No, you need mom to pick you up. You need her to not just put dressings on the bandit, but then she needs to give you an ice cream. She might need to put you in her lap and rock you while you eat the ice cream, right? Because you need more help than the pain. And let's be honest, we all faked how much it hurt so that we could get that much more, correct? You know, it never hurt as much. You know, I, I, I um, threw, threw I, I don't know, I was throwing a hammer. I threw a hammer, and it came down and it hit me in the back of the head. And the, the claw right there. And I, I just went, huh, okay, like that. And it, did, it, it really didn't hurt. But then I, I was uh, doing something. I leaned against a tree, and I turned around. This is back when kids played outside, by the way. Um, there was blood coming down the tree, and I went, Ah! I started crying like crazy. It did not hurt me until I saw the blood. <coughs> I wasn't in pain, but I saw that blood. And then, Ma, guess what? Mom comes running out the back door, busting through the screen door of the porch. What's the matter? You know, and I, you know, I ate it all up. I had ice on my forehead. I had ice cream in my mouth. I, you know, mom was singing to me. But you need that. You need it to be greater than the pain. If it was just, if it was just, oh, that's okay, and you're all right, and she walks away, doesn't feel like, 
You know what I mean? It just doesn't feel like it was taken care of, does it? And God understands that about us. So the pain is nowhere near as big as the compassion and the comfort that God has for us. So we can go to him anytime, at any point in our lives, and get the mercy and the compassion we need. Hebrews says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace and receive grace and mercy in our time of need, right? You know, we, we can come boldly and we can get the things that we need at the time we need it by just coming to him. So why does God offer us more compassion than our pain? Because he needs to put a little extra in our tank so that we can pass that on to someone else. You know, we need to be able to pass that on to someone else. You know, as I have this, I have a, I have a theory. Uh, I haven't borrowed anybody's car in a long time, but there was a time in my life earlier when we were married when I would have to borrow somebody's truck because I didn't own a truck at the time. And you know what I always made sure of? That when I returned the truck, it had more gas in it than I got it. It always had a full tank. If I got the truck and it had a quarter tank of gas, I filled it all the way up even if I just put five miles on the truck because that person was kind enough to let me borrow their truck, risk their insurance, everything else, so I filled it up. I put more into it than I got out of it. That's what we're called to do. What's that? Uh, I just remember the time when Leslie borrowed his Jeep. Did you return it empty? No. Okay. Well, hey, you know, so so here's here's verse six, and, and we're just about done. And whether we be afflicted, it's for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it's for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the sufferings, you shall also be of the consolation. Paul saying, listen. It's not about you. It's about him. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. Galatians 2.20, right? For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know? If I'm afflicted, it's for Christ's sake. Right? It's not about me. It's about him. But it's also not about us. It's about them. It's about the people outside. You know, our heartaches and sorrows as Christians are given to us by God so that we can, we can let God work in our lives and then others can see the work of God in our lives. See, that's the gift. That's the, that's the gift. As you respond correctly to the problems that you have because Christ is in you and Christ gives you the ability to, to, to experience his comfort, other people see that. Do know that because you're here on a Tuesday night, that marks you. And everybody in your shop is watching you. And they're waiting for you to mess up. They're waiting for you to talk the same way they do. And if you talk the same way they do, you need to stop. They're waiting for you to get upset the way they do. They're waiting for you. They want you to be just like them so they have an excuse not to come to Christ. But every time they see you respond... When, you get, when the word comes down to shop, it's time to work late. And everybody else is just F this and F that and upset and everything. And you're like, okay. You know, cool, I get to finish this thing before tomorrow, right? And you're chill about it. It's a testimony to your coworkers. There's something different about you. Why is, why is he able to handle this when nobody else can? 
You know, Chris is shaking his head. Yeah, you know what I mean, don't you? Yes. Yeah, they see it. They watch us. And so it's given to us as a gift so that others can see that. It's an effectual work. He says, he says, whether we are afflicted or it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. It's an enduring. That word effectual in the Greek is energeo. When God allows you to suffer a little bit, he's doing a mighty work. Your heartache becomes the energy that helps someone else see God in their lives. And it may end up leading to their salvation. That's what it's all about. And then don't forget the sufferings point to a better day. There is a better day coming. Even though we're going through heartache now, there's a better day coming. Verse 7 again, And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the sufferings, you shall also be of the consolation. The consolation. The ultimate consolation. Yeah, we suffer in this life, but man, what we get at the end of this life is so, so, so worth the suffering. I think a lot of us will get to the end of our lives and wish we suffered more so that we could have experienced the grace of God more. You know? If you haven't read the life of Tor- Corey Tenboom or uh, George Mueller or, I mean, David Brainerd, Robert Murray McShane, you need to read the stories of these people who suffered so... Watchman Nee, the great Chinese theologian, you know, read the stories of the great martyrs of the faith, William Tyndale, and, and see what these people endured for the faith. And you go, oh, that I could be counted worthy. Remember when you read through Acts chapter 4, they beat them? What did the apostles, what did they say the apostles did after they got beaten? They left the, the temple area after being beaten and, and praised God, counting themselves as blessed because they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. How many of us could do that? But we're going to get the consolation someday. Will you suffer as a Christian? Yes. Will you continue to suffer? Yes. But God wants you to know that he didn't call you to suffer forever. There is consolation at the end. Two verses and I'm done. James 1.12 Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. In Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.